week two of our series, Family Matters, and uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, we began this series with this whole idea that there is an ideal um, version of the family that God has for all of us, and then there is reality. And I, that's a kind of a dynamic that I think we're all pretty familiar with in our lives. We have an, uh, an ideal of what we would want the perfect weather to be, and then there's reality, like today. Um, there's an ideal of what we would want the perfect job to be, and then there's reality tomorrow morning, right? Um, there's the ideal of what we would want to look like, and then there's reality, all right? Um, and, and it's a dynamic that we're all pretty familiar with, and the same is true when it comes to the family that all of us are a part of. There is an ideal that God has for all of us. There's an ideal that God has for husbands and fathers. There's an ideal that God has for, for wives and for mothers. There's an ideal that God has for children and the family. And then there's the reality that we all live with on a day-to-day basis And that reality, um, the reason for that, the reason that those two things don't match up, God's ideal and our reality is because of this three-letter word that we don't like to talk about all that much, but the reality is is that there's sin in all of our lives. And so there's a reality for, for husbands and fathers to love their wives as Christ loves the church, to have that kind of love for their spouse, and then there's reality. There's the ideal for for wives to love their husbands and to put their, his needs ahead of their own. And then there's reality. Th- there's the, the role of children to honor and respect their parents. And then there's reality. Th- there's the role of, of fathers and parents um, not to frustrate their children, the ideal. And then there is the reality. And as we talked about that last week, we all have come to grips with the fact that we don't live in the ideal, but we live in reality, and yet we continue day after day to strive for God's ideal. And by the power of God and God's Spirit living inside of us, we continue to live out our days, continuing to strive for God's ideal. This morning, we're going to continue this um, series with an idea um, that actually is probably fairly common, fairly popular today, this idea of being centered. And uh, just so you don't start running in the wrong direction on me this morning, what we're not talking about is kind of that uh, martial arts being centered or that yoga principle of, of kind of being centered and looking deep within yourself and kind of finding your own inner peace and your own sense of strength. Um, that's not the centered that we're talking about today, but what we're talking about is uh, what do we as a family... What do we hold out as central or most important in our lives that we should be heading for? And that's really what we're going to talk about today. And there's a quote that I want to share with you this morning from a man named Reggie Joyner. Um, Reggie Joyner is uh, the writer and uh, founder of a children's ministry group. And uh, this quote, I think, is just central to where we're headed today. And so I just want to share this and talk about this for just a minute. Reggie Joyner says, The heart of the family affects the direction of every child. And the future of every nation, every wise leader knows that whatever happens in the family makes an impression on the world. Now that, that's a pretty high and lofty statement, isn't it? I mean, when you start talking about the future of every nation and making an impression on the world, you start to elevate the importance of what you're talking about. And Reggie Joyner, what his premise here is, is that the heart of the family... What he means by that is that the thing 
that is central to your family. The thing that is most important in your family affects the direction of every child. It affects the the destination, the direction that every single child is going on. And so what's happening in the family, what's central to the family, will determine the direction and the destination of the children that are a part of that family. The heart of the family, what is central to the family, is going to impact the children and the nation and the world. And so if we're going to get this thing right and make an impression on the world that is worthwhile, if we're going to get this thing right and lead a nation in a direction where we want it to go, it has to start in the family. And what is at the center of our families? Now, there's a, there's a principle that's kind of underneath this, uh, this quote here and this idea that the heart of the family affects the direction of every child. And it has to do with uh, a road. And so I'm going to use an analogy here to kind of hopefully get us all on the same page. Um, all of us, I think, here today are probably familiar with the, the famous Wizard of Oz movie. Um, everybody here has at least got a good understanding of that movie. And the uh, premise of that movie, you have a, a, a an adolescent named Dorothy. Um, a tornado comes. She gets lost. And her... her her need is that she needs to and she wants to get home, right? There's no place like home. And she, early on in the movie, she comes into an encounter with uh, the wicked or with a good witch of the East. And she asks this witch of the East how to get home. And that's what her desire is. She wants to get home. And the witch responds that really it's very quite, it's really quite easy. What you need to do is you need to get yourself to the Emerald City and get to an audience of the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. And Dorothy's kind of like, well, that sounds great, but how do I get to the Emerald City? And the witch responds, well, that's easy. You follow the yellow brick road. Just follow the yellow brick road. And through a a series of events, um, some characters that she meets along the way, eventually, Dorothy makes her way along the yellow brick road to the Emerald City and gets her audience with the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. Now, what's Dorothy's secret in getting to the Emerald City? And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. What's the secret behind getting to the destination that we want to get as a family? What's the secret to having our children follow a direction and a path that we want them to be on, to get to a destination that we want for them? What was the secret for Dorothy? It's simple. First of all, she just followed the yellow brick road. She got on the path that led to the destination that she wanted to end up at. And it is so important for us as families to figure out what is the destination that we want to be at because that will determine the road that we set out on. But if we have not determined that final destination, if we haven't decided where we want our kids to end up someday then how will we know which direction, which path to set out on as a family? So you got to figure out what is the final destination and what is the path to get us there. And the second thing is, is that we've got to choose to follow that path. 
for Dorothy, right, the witch told her, you got to follow the yellow brick road. If you follow that road, it's going to lead you to the place that you want to be. And Dorothy could have said, yeah, but I'm going to take the green path. Don't know where that's headed. Or I'm going to take the blue path, the orange path, the purple path. I'm going to take the polka dot path, right? I know where that path goes, the yellow brick road. But she could have chosen any other path that she wanted to go down. We as families, there's a lot of paths before us. There's a lot of final destinations and ways to get to those final destinations that we could choose to go down. And the reality is, is that some of us have chosen to go down those paths and are headed in those directions. Sometimes we make a conscious choice to be heading down those paths. And sometimes, and this is so important, sometimes the failure of the family to choose a direction results in families and children heading down a direction and to a final destination that we don't want to be at. But our failure to make a choice results in us heading in directions we don't want to be in. So we as families need to make a conscious choice as to which path we are going to head down. And it will impact our families, it will impact our nation, and it will make an impression on the world. A lesson this morning from an Old Testament book, Book of Joshua, and uh, really fits in well with where we've been this past summer because Joshua um, was the chosen next leader of the nation of Israel after Moses. So we spent the whole summer talking about the life of Moses and kind of got through that. When Moses, um, just before he dies, he chooses a man named Joshua as his successor to be the next leader of the nation of Israel. And if, uh, again, you kind of just kind of remember that series, um, Moses Um, The last 40 years of his life, he was leading the nation of Israel wandering in the desert. And the reason they were wandering is because um, when they had gone to look at the land that God had promised for them, they had sent 12 spies to go look at this land. And when those spies came back, 10 of them said, we can't take it, we can't take the land, we should just turn back, we're hopeless here. And two spies said, no, 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 God is with us, God's going to take care of us, God is going to give us this land just like he promised. And the people believed the 10 spies, they doubted God, and God said, because of that doubt, because you're failing to trust me, all of the adults, 20 years of age and older, they're going to die before you guys get into that promised land. And that took 40 years for those adults to die. Moses being one of them. But before he dies, he chooses Joshua to be his successor. Now Joshua, the way we know Joshua is that Joshua was one of the two spies that went into the land and came back and said, you're right, the people are fierce, the cities are big, the walls are high, but God is with us and we can take the land as God has promised. He was one of those faithful two spies. He was one of those two men that trusted God without doubt. And now he has chosen to be the next leader of the nation of Israel. Moses dies. The people transition from the wilderness into the promised land under the direction of Joshua. And it's under the direction of Joshua, God's leading of Joshua, that they conquer the cities, they drive out the people, and they take over the land that God had promised them, the promised land, and they're now occupying the land. That's the life of Joshua in three minutes. 
We're now at the end of Joshua's life. And just like Moses, before he was taken from this earth, gave some final instructions and encouragement to the nation of Israel, Joshua here in chapter 24, the words that we're going to look at this morning, Joshua here is giving some final instructions and some words of encouragement to the nation of Israel and ultimately the families of the nation of Israel. And Joshua has some very important words as he looks at this nation and knows that they are going to continue forward and that they are going to choose a direction, has some very, very important words for us to consider this morning. So Joshua, chapter 24, the first uh, 13 verses, what Joshua is doing is he's really reviewing what God has done for the nation of Israel. He's talking about all of the ways that God has provided for them, protected them, watched over them. He's talking about all of these great things that God is capable of and has done for his people. And now we get to these words, beginning at verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So he starts off and he says, all right, Nation of Israel, families, you need to fear the Lord. This is really important. Um, We talk about fearing the Lord, I think, quite a bit here at Bethlehem, and so I'm just going to quickly review this. This idea of fearing the Lord is not the idea of kind of cowering before God, kind of wondering, is God going to, is he going to be mad at me and punish me right now? Is he going to love me and be good to me? Have I done enough? It's not the sense of being afraid of God, And what's he going to do? But it's this standing in awe of who God is. It's this standing in awe and marveling that the God of the universe, this great and powerful God, does great and powerful things for us. It's this standing in awe of the God of the universe who loves us despite our sinfulness. It's this standing in awe of who God is and what God has done. Joshua starts off, final words of encouragement, and he says, now fear the Lord and serve him. Serve him. It's a big idea in these words from Joshua. He uses that word serve eight times in just these few short verses. And this idea of serve in Hebrew, it really has this idea of worship. It really has this idea of you have something over you That you are going to, in some way, shape, or form, you are going to serve and worship with your life and as a family. Now the reality is, is that every single person and every single family serves something. Whether we like it or not, um, we like to think as Americans that we are free, that we are, are slaves to no one, and yet we are all, we all serve something or someone. We can serve Um, our children. We can put children as first and foremost in our houses, and we can serve them and their needs more than anything else. We can serve money and the things that money can buy more than anything else, and we kind of put that above us as the thing that is our master and the thing that we worship, the thing that is first and foremost in our lives. We can put um, prestige or image or acceptance, we can put all of those things, and all of us as human beings, we naturally put something above us that we serve, work toward, and worship. Joshua here is saying, 
nation of Israel. Families fear God, stand in awe of God, and serve him. And he says, serve him with all faithfulness. What that little phrase there, with faithfulness, um, what that little phrase means is with completeness or without allegiance to anything else. So what he's saying is, look, you as families, God needs to be first and foremost central to your life. And not just kind of a byproduct, not something that just kind of comes along the side, not something that when you need them, then you put them first, and then when life's going well, you kind of let them drift to the side again, but keep them central all the time. There's a difference between believing in Christ and having a Christ-centered home. What Joshua is saying here is that we need to have Christ-centered homes, that in everything that we do, Every decision that we make, every, every action that we take, the way that we treat the people that are a part of our family, we need to keep Christ central to our family unit and to our lives. Without other allegiances to other things, to keep him first. And he says, throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Um, the nation of, of Israel... They've struggled with um, idol worship, idolatry. They've had that in their past. Um, We don't know if currently uh, the nation of Israel, that they were, they literally had like stone gods and wood gods that they had set up before them. We don't know if that was currently going on. But either way, whether they physically had them or they had things in their heart that they were making more important than God, Joshua tells them, you need to get rid of those things. You need to throw those things off to the side. Keep God central to your life. Verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. I love this. Kids get this. Men will get this really well. Women will get this because they live with men. Um, We have a hard time. If somebody tells us, you need to do this, children, they're like, I'm going to choose to do something else. We have a hard time, men. If we're told, you need to do this, men are like, well, I'm going to do the exact opposite just because I'm a man, right? Right? And so we have a hard time. If somebody tells us we need to do something, we struggle with that. It kind of grates against us. So what does Joshua do here? He kind of throws that out there. Fear the Lord, serve him only. But and he kind of gives them the option here. He's like, all right, this is reality. I recognize that I'm talking to a lot of men. And I'm talking to a lot of stubborn people before me, families. If serving God seems undesirable to you, and that was actually, that's a really strong phrase that he used there. It's kind of like, if serving God seems ridiculous to you, then fine. Choose something else that you are going to serve and follow in your life. What he's really saying here is that you gotta decide. At least know which direction your family is headed in at least make the choice that you've decided what's most important to you far too many families in fact i would say the failure of many american families is that they fail to choose something and they just drift 
And they allow society to put something most important in their life rather than choosing what's going to be most important in their lives. And what Joshua is saying is, fine, you you need to decide what is going to be central to your life? Because something is going to be central. You might as well, if it's central to your family, you might as well choose it rather than let society make something central for you. So at least choose what you are going to worship and follow in your life. And he says, if serving the Lord seems ridiculous to you, go ahead. Serve the stone gods that your forefathers did. I mean, if serving God seems ridiculous, well then, certainly, worshiping stones and wood isn't going to be ridiculous. So, you know, at least make that choice. I mean, come on. If serving God, the God who brought you out of Egypt, the God who rescued you, the God who's watched over you for 40 years in the wilderness, the God who provided for you for 40 years in the wilderness with food and clothes that didn't wear out, if that seems ridiculous then find those stone gods and those wooden idols and worship them. It seems so obvious, right? Of course they would choose God and not those stone idols. From our perspective, doesn't that seem so obvious that that's the direction that they should go? In our, our lives today, it seems so obvious that we should choose God and put God first in our lives. And yet... We don't set up stone gods and wooden objects in front of us. And yet, we still have a tendency to put children first and foremost as the central part of our family to meet their needs, their expectations, their wants and desires above anything else. We still have a tendency to put money and wealth and prestige and honor from human beings. We still have a tendency to put those things first and foremost in our lives. And so what Joshua is saying to us today, what God is saying to us today, is that we need to decide. We need to make a choice. Is it God that is central to our lives, or is it something else? Joshua's encouragement Serve the Lord and fear him. People respond, or Joshua, I'm sorry, Joshua responds, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. One of the boldest statements in all of the Old Testament. Joshua stands before the nation of Israel, people who struggle with idolatry, people who have wondered and doubted God countless times in the past. Joshua stands before all of these families and he says, I don't know about you. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We're going to fear him. We're going to trust in him above all else. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua puts himself out there. He doesn't care what anybody else thinks, what anybody else does. As for me and my household, we've made the choice. We've considered the options, and we're going to follow the Lord. We struggle with that too, right? I mean, in our society, it it, it can feel like we're going so low. If we're going to stand out and put ourselves out there and say, you know what? More than sports, more than money, more than our kids, we are going to serve the Lord. And we're going to put that out there. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That decision, that choice to follow the Lord impacts the way we parent. It impacts the decisions we make as a family. But it's your choice 
as a family, who you are going to follow. Joshua has made his choice, and he makes it known. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. Yeah, that's right. Let's think about what God has done for us again. He's watched over us. His grace and his mercy have been so evident in our lives. Let's take that into consideration as we're making our choice as to who we're going to follow. Verse 18. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. They had a choice to make. The Lord or something else. As they consider what God has done, the answer to that question becomes painfully obvious. Think about it in your life. Because you as a family have a choice. And in case you're wondering, or in case you forgot what God has done for you, let me fill you in. Your God loved you before you were even born. Your God sent his son into this world to be the savior of the world even before you were born. Your God brought you to faith, made you alive in Christ. Your God redeemed you. Your God forgives you. Your God continues to lavishly pour out his love into your life each and every single day. As he forgives you and he loves you day after day. That's who your God is. And as you consider the options today, remember who God is. And I hope and I pray that you will respond with the people of Israel. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. We too. We're going to serve the Lord because He is our God. I mean, just think about that. Our God is God. Our God is, is the God of everything and the God of the universe. And everything that goes on fits as part of His master plan and His bigger story that we get to be a part of. And God calls us to choose to make him central to our lives. Now I realize that every family here today has their own struggles. I I know that every single individual here today, they have their own secrets and their own things that they are struggling with right now. And so it can be difficult for us to consider the options and to choose a direction. But my encouragement for you this morning is to choose a direction and this day to take a step in that direction. And my encouragement for you tomorrow is as a family and as an individual to consider the options 
and to choose a direction and to take a step in that direction. And Tuesday morning, my challenge to you is, as a family and as individuals, to consider the options to choose a direction and take a step in that direction. And it's just something that we've got to do on a daily basis, day in and day out. Because human tendency, as the nation of Israel proved throughout history, is to drift. And we as sinful human beings, we have a tendency to drift. And so the encouragement again is for us to make a daily choice who we will serve and who we will follow. And that we collectively, as families, would answer, we will serve the Lord. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for making us a part of your family. We thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy, your forgiveness, which you can continue to pour out into our lives each and every single day. Lord, I, I know that there's a lot of things that society puts before us as directions that we could take. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help all of us as families, as individuals, to consider the options, to consider what you have done for us, to consider the grace that you have poured out into our lives, that we would make a choice, a bold choice, to follow you, to serve you, and to love you above all else. And then, Lord, help us each and every single day to take a, dire- take a step in that direction. We join together this morning in the prayer you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.